Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. My name is Jim Martin. I am joined by Brad and Greg today. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Glad you're here. Guys, we're uh, we're talking about all things financial advisor. I'm really excited about our topic today. But before we get started, I want to make sure you're aware we have a private Facebook group. You are free to join. There is no cost to do it. Go out to Facebook, search for the Financial Advisors Edge. You'll see it right there. It'll say the Financial Advisors Edge community like that in Join us. We we have lots of great topics. Heck, Brad is even hosting fireside chats on this thing. Uh, we're sharing videos and all kinds of great deliverables. Good stuff out there if you want to connect. Remember, iron sharpens iron. Guys, we're also going to be hosting a webinar about growing. So make sure you listen to the show. We'll share a URL or a website address where you can uh, you can get on and watch us uh, share the top five things, the five ways to grow in 2023. These are things that we're actively deploying in our practice, and I want to make sure uh, you don't miss this. But without further ado, let's just jump right in. Greg, what do we have cooking today, sir? Yeah, today, Jim, we're going to be talking about a topic that we get so many questions over. And we actually had a a, a coaching, uh, an advisor we do a lot of coaching with, talk about this very same issue. It's when, at what point you know, in your career, what does it look like when you need to hire some support. And by support, we mean either a paraplanner, it could be an associate advisor, and trying to really nail down what that looks like and where you as an advisor are going to be able to scale and get the growth that is unachievable unless you hire another team member. And in at some point, as you keep growing and growing and growing, you'll get to that point and you'll be saying, gosh, I, I need some help around here. If I'm going to continue to, to meet my goals and, and experience the growth that I've had up until this point, you need help. So, so we can kind of talk about it today. Again, whether it's a paraplanner, licensed, unlicensed, you know, whatever, or maybe it's a, an associate advisor to kind of help you out. Maybe it's a servicing advisor. Maybe that advisor is building their own business while, while also helping you, assisting you. So, uh, Brad, I, I know you, you, you and Jim, I, I don't have any experience yet of, and it's probably, you know, here in the future, I, I might have a, an associate advisor, another paraplanner. I just two ha- have two support team members at this point. Um, one's licensed, one's not, and they do a phenomenal job. But what can you share, Brad, um, you know, about when was, when was it? At, at what point did you say, okay, I, you know, another you know, associate advisor is going to help me out, and, and it and why? What kind of made the bell you know ring in your head to say, "Man, gosh, this is holding me back." Right. So I think that that becomes an issue when obviously you want to take on more clients and you just don't have the time to do it. Whether you don't have the time to meet with any more people that you would bring on, or you get to the point where you don't have time 
to do the prospecting and marketing activities required to bring people on because you're busy servicing your existing book. Um, so for me, and I think for most people, I, I got to a point where I was like, I have a couple of decisions I can make here. I think one of the common decisions that advisors make when they get to this point is they just look at their bottom, whatever percentage of their book and mostly ignore them. And they stop giving good service to those people. And long term, I, I don't think that that's a good thing for your brand because then you're going to start. We've talked before in episodes about, you know, when you meet with a prospect and one of the questions you ask them or one of the pain points they'll mention is when's the last time you heard from your advisor? And they say, oh, it's been three years or five years or never. Um, and you certainly don't want to fall into that trap. So when you get to the point where you're, you know, you don't want to live at the office anymore, um, and you don't have any more time to take anyone else on, that's the that's the time where you should probably look at doing something like this because then you don't have to go down the road of, oh, well, anybody without with less than blank dollars, I just won't talk to them anymore because they're eventually going to leave. And, you know, the way I looked at it was, I don't want to do that. Another option I have at my broker dealer, and I think most people do, is, you know, there's the call center. And just saying, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through my book and round these people up and and kind of professionally cut them loose. Um, that's certainly a valid thing that you can do, and a, and a lot of people opt to go that route. I didn't just because I looked at the math and said, you know, I mean, even in the eighty twenty rule, right? Eighty if you're a million dollar producer and and you know you want to get rid of. Well, you don't want to hear eighty percent of your book, <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's say that you did, right? That's only going to be um, that's only going to be twenty percent of your revenue, right? If twenty percent is eighty percent of your revenue, then eighty percent is twenty. So twenty percent of a million bucks is two hundred grand a year, and I don't know that a lot of people are comfortable swallowing the cutting loose two hundred thousand dollars a year in recurring in recurring revenue. Uh, but two two hundred thousand bucks a year go for a, a long way for for launching a a junior partner, a service advisor, or just bringing on an, a uh, a salary plus bonus paraplanner, and they can take a lot of the work because those clients um, a lot of times are not a lot of complex work. If they were, they probably would be a clients and be in the twenty percent, right? So you bring on one of these associates in whatever capacity you're comfortable with to take on some of that workload and free you up to do what you do best, which is get more of the A clients. That's the process I went through. I didn't want my brand to suffer by neglecting people. And at the same time, I I didn't want to, and I still don't want to cut loose $200,000 worth of revenue because I think even if it were a very simplified paraplanner approach to, I could certainly pay someone $100,000 a year to just take excellent care of that 80% of my book. And most people would be happy to do so. And uh, I'll still be profitable on that rather than send it to a call center. And the clients will be better taken care of as well. I think no matter how you cut them loose to a call center, I think you're not going to give warm and fuzzies to everyone. I don't so. think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now, the the other opportunity that I see is it, as you continue to grow, and let's say you're spending more time with prospecting and, and whatever ways you may be marketing your business, you then would, I, I would expect kind of your plan is to kind of work with the A and B clients, prospect uh, prospects moving forward, and then maybe the C and D, if you will, or, or maybe they're they're high potential clients, just they're, they're younger, right? They would uh, then work with your associate advisor. 
Yeah. And, you know, actually, I didn't, I didn't think of that until you were talking just now, you know, in your own prospecting efforts, whether it's a seminar or, or a, anything, you know, you'd qualify the best you can, but you're still going to end up probably with people coming to see you that are not, that won't be A or even B clients for you. You've already spent the money to do the seminar. You already bought them dinner. You already booked the appointment. You're already going to spend an hour with them. Um, you may, you know, if, if it's just you, you may end up saying after you learn their situation, hey, they only have blank dollars, whether that's 500, 250 or 10 bucks. It's some amount that you don't want to bring on because you're already at capacity where you might conclude that meeting by saying, you know, I, I think you'd be a better fit somewhere else. But if you have that service advisor or junior partner, junior advisor, whatever, you could still close that business and they can continue the relationship and it can be profitable for both of you. So I think it can make your prospecting more effective as well. Yeah. Jim, Jim, what about you? Is that kind of, uh, you know, the way you think about it as well uh, with that, those junior partners? It, it is now, but it's not how I thought about it when I started doing this. Yeah. I, uh, I made every mistake, hiring mistake that you, you probably can make. When I, when I first began to say, oh, I need to hire another advisor. And the reason I came to that conclusion was because I had two conference rooms and an empty conference room is making you no money. So I said, I need to uh, make sure those conference rooms have people in them, clients in them and prospects in them. So I went out and wanted to hire a, uh, a producing advisor. And it's really hard to find a producing advisor who wants to go and work for someone else. Because if right. you can go out and sell a ton of business, generally speaking, in, in prospect, you don't want to work for another advisor unless the comp is really good. And I didn't really know how to dial in my comp at that point. So I hired uh, guys that uh, were not good producers. I'm sure they're fine people, uh, but they, you know, they were not there. Eventually, I wrapped my mind around what, what, and this is by trial and error, and then talking to a lot of people. What, what? Uh, eventually, I, I looked at it and said, I really need to hire a paraplanner and a service advisor. I need to hire a paraplanner because I, I was meeting with so many prospects that I would meet with folks and then not have the the time the energy or even the wherewithal to get all of the stuff done between the first and second appointment. I use a two-step close process. And the first appointment, we we data gather. So it's discovery. And the second meeting, we present the plan and what we're going to accomplish for the client and what our value add is. And I was losing, but well, I'd meet with the people and take great notes. And then 10 minutes before they come in, I was, I was rushing to get everything done and ready and trying to remember who the heck they were because I'd met with eight other people that same week. So we hired a pair planner. He's now a full-blown advisor, but does still work in that a little bit in that role. And then uh, I have a full-blown service advisor. And if I had to go back in time, guys, I'm going to be really honest. I I um I really wish I would have made this hire and this decision much earlier in my career. I wish I would have made the professional investment, just like just like we make professional investments in coaching. Uh, like you know, that was one of the first things I did. Is I I hired a professional coach. Uh, to help me along with some of these things, but I just could not wrap my mind around paying a salary to somebody who was going to service my book of business because I I thought I could do it all. But to Brad's point just a, a minute ago, you know, once I've hired, once I hired someone to take that that kind of that relief valve off of me, then I can focus on prospects and and growing the business and doing all those other things. But if you're if you look if you're trying to do 200 annual reviews a year and you're trying to prospect and grow at the same rate. You you have diminishing returns because you have diminishing time, and then and then you start making a little bit of money, and you think you're really successful in this business, and then you don't want to work as hard. So 
yes, I would have, I would have hired that person early. Greg, I think, I think look at knowing about your practice, I think you're getting close to where you're going to, you, you, you have to think about it. And I think that's probably a really good kind of, um, really good thing. When, when should people start thinking about it? Do you guys think it's a, oh, I hit 50 million in AUM or is it a client number? What do you guys feel like? I, I don't think that it's either of those numbers. I think it's a, you just have to look at your time. First off, you have to do some of the things that we've talked about in past episodes to make sure that your your practice is running somewhat efficiently in the way that you want it to. But once once you've got a well-oiled machine and you're and you're nearing capacity in that machine, that's the time because there is a Jim, I think you said in a past episode you don't want to wait to get more service until you're at 99 or 105% of capacity. You right. want to be running at 75% of capacity because there's a there's a, a steep learning curve. And I, I think you have to be aware of that when when bringing someone on in this capacity too, because like you said earlier also, Jim, if they were a producing advisor that knew how to grow business, run business, run reviews, you wouldn't ever be talking to them because they wouldn't be considering joining you. So this person is going to need to learn so you don't want to do it when you're at 95% ready to tear your hair out. You want to be, and you're like, all right, I have this go and it's running. I'm, I'm starting to work more hours than I think that I want to, or I'd like to start taking my foot off the gas. That's the time where you need to get this started. So they are at least in the groove by the time you hit that close to maximum capacity, I believe. Yeah. So, and, and also you look at a practice like mine, right? You might not say at my asset level, Maybe some people would disagree that I need a junior. They're wrong, but <laughs> it depends on how your book is structured, right? Like you could, if there's a couple of guys that I've met that they only do 401k plans, you know, and, and big plans. So they may have, you know, they may have 10 plans and that's all they do. Maybe that person doesn't need a, a, a service advisor yet. Whereas, so it depends on the makeup of your practice. I'm not sure that production and assets tells the full story. That's a good point. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on that too, because this is going to require change. Uh, and I think Jim, you had kind of alluded to, yeah, this, that's probably, you know, with your crystal ball, that's probably in my future. But the one thing that I think advisors struggle with, with this decision is change saying that, okay, I'm bringing on this either paraplaner or associate advisor. You've got to be able to let go. Right. And, and so Jim, you, you, uh, you mentioned that for all the work that you did for those prospects to go into that second meeting and be able to present and close for the new business, you've got to be able to let the paraplanner and have the faith and confidence in that paraplanner to put together professional and make sure everything's accurate. And I think that that's one of my downfalls is I'm, I'm, in a sense, almost a control freak because I want yeah. it done properly, correctly, because I don't want to go into the meeting and be embarrassed. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you, 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 you've you got to check their work for a while. And almost always, I mean, I still check my, I still, and his name is Justin. He's in our Facebook group. He's a great guy. Does a terrific job. And, um, you know, to Brad's point, you've got to spend the time and, and collateral and energy training these people to get them where they are. So, you know, I spent a lot of time for Justin, just watching he's whole, he owns his own appointments. Now he closes business, like lots of business. He's awesome now, but it, it took a while. Like he, he, he's 24 years old, 25 years old. He's not ready. So, but yeah, you've got to let go. That's, that's one of them. The other, I think some of the other fears people have around this, they're afraid somebody they're going to hire somebody and they're going to come in and steal their book. They're going to steal all their business. So, you, you know, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, I, I think it's a, it's a legitimate fear. It's pretty stupid. I think at the end of the day, like right. you've got to have, you've got to have the right legal documents 
set up non-solicitation agreements can't not confidentiality agreements and confidentiality agreements and you got to treat your people right like pay them enough and, and 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 do all the things you're supposed to don't look at them like they're just they're just cogs in the machine but you know if you want to scale and you want to grow the only thing that's going to hold you back is time really at the end of the day that's it you're going to get held back by time and you've got to figure out ways to create more time in your life and the more time you create in your life is actually creates quality in your life as well. So it's well worth the investment when you're ready to do it. Now, that doesn't mean you need to, Greg. Like, Greg, you might you might say to yourself, like, look, there's a lot of ways to skin this cat. You, you know, I think you said you one on one show you got 90 households or something like that. You might just start to 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 up the dollar amounts of your households and try to maintain under hundred forever, but you're gonna graduate the the lower tier people out and and just start adding million dollar households. You might not ever need them, but I would, I would question what happens like when you want to take a three week trip across the country, like how do you service the people at that point? And, and I know not everybody on this podcast likes to do that, but you know, some people are listening. They, they want to take a month off and go to Argentina. And if you don't have help, it's going to be hard. But Jim, even, <clears throat> yeah, I get that, but make it even more common. What if you want to take a week off? Right. I mean, when I, but when I had no help at all on my own, I know, and it drove me crazy. You know, I remember one year I went on vacation and I was like, you know what, I'm going to afford myself. A, I got a, a virtual assistant that my broker dealer provides and you can subscribe for, you know, you can buy a certain amount of time for, uh, you know, short term. And I was like, you know what, I want to go on a vacation and not have to deal with a damn phone call, not one phone call. I don't right. want to be on the beach and get a phone call about a distribution. So I forwarded my phone that week. Got myself a virtual assistant and it was heaven. Yeah. So I mean, I, I've done it. I've, I've been sitting in Cancun and this is before I had, I just had, I just had non-licensed assistants sitting, sitting in Cancun and a, like a client calls up and it's an emergency. And by the way, guys, there are no emergencies yeah. in financial planning. Like right. this is what I tell every one of my clients and my team. There are no emergencies in financial planning. That's why we plan, but they call me in Cancun to talk about nothing. I'm like on the beach with my family trying to get the hell away from work. And I'm talking about, you know, some stupid mutual fund or ETF like that. That's why you need help. It's not maybe not in the beginning. I mean, maybe not in the beginning, but I think if you're trying to grow a business, not, not a practice, you can, you can do it on your own. I think there's a big difference between a practice and a business. But if you're trying to grow a business, you are going to need professional help along the way at some point. Yep. I agree. Absolutely. And, and Greg, something you said earlier, I think what you said about, um, you said that you were a control freak and maybe perfectionist or something along those lines. And Jim, you said uh, similar about, you know, checking work and whatnot. I think anybody that don't, you know, if you're, if you're identifying with that, that makes sense to me because I'm going to guess that that trait is pretty common amongst successful people in our industry. I, I do too. I do you too. You are where you are because of those who are <laughs> double-edged sword. It can be stressful and make you work a lot, but it probably is a, that mindset probably has a lot to do with your success. So you can acknowledge that. I'm sure this is some type of therapy technique, like acknowledging, accepting it, and then working your way through the mindset to get to the goal at the end. I don't think that you're alone in that. 
Hey, pardon the interruption. Hey, if you're anything like us, you are hyper-focused on growing your practice in 2023. With that said, me and the guys have put together a world-class webinar that will help you do just that. We're going to give you our best ideas, our best ideas on marketing. What are some things you can implement right now to grow your practice? Our best ideas on sales process. How do you close more business? our best ideas on client service. How do you retain, grow your relationships for life and increase referrals without even asking for them? And finally, how do you build a scalable, world-class investment model? If you want to join the webinar, go out to 23grow.com. Again, that's 23grow.com. Register for our webinar. There's no cost to attend. It's one time only. You don't want to miss it. If you're if you're dialed into growing this year, this is for you. If you want to become a better advisor, deliver better service to your clients, this webinar is for you. So join today. Go out to 23grow.com. Now back to the show. Yeah. First step is acceptance, right? Yep. So and, and, yep. and I'm, a, <laughs> I'm past that, you know. You, got, you guys have done a lot of therapy. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> We need a lot of help, Jim. <laughs> but uh, oh, f- a funny story. This is completely off the topic. But uh, Brad, you mentioned uh, the other day asking a prospect, oh, when's the last time you heard from your advisor? And um, and they say, oh, three years ago, four years ago or whatever. I had a, a prospect the other day that said, uh, oh, I'm working with so-and-so. We haven't heard from him in five years. And I go, wait, he's out of jail? <laughs> I'm working they, with, and I I had to tell you, you know, I'm joking with you, but they you should have seen the look on their face. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I kind of ex- accepting that and kind of saying, okay, what is my business going to look like? Why am I getting to the root of you know the issue? Saying what? How is my life and my business going to improve? by adding this paraplanner, this junior advisor, associate advisor, whatever title you want to give them. And in writing that specifically down, what are you going to to delegate? What are you willing to let go of? Uh, You know, for example, I know some advisors that they don't want to let go of like the portfolio management versus, you know, if you're hiring an associate advisor, they can be the one going in there, rebalancing, making the trades, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, if they're licensed, they can do it. It could even be a, a licensed assistant doing that for you. But some advisors are like stuck in, you know, their own way that they don't want to delegate that out. And some spend way too much time on that, which we're going to talk about in a future episode. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, that that's exactly right. This is this, this is things where advisors get in their own way. Like this is what causes you to plateau. And we're we're all guilty of it. You know, we were we were before we did this, we were with one of our coaching clients. We've got we've got an advisor we're coaching through and this was one of the things we talked about is like you, you're probably at the point you've got 300 relationships you're trying to do everything. You're going to need help, professional help. And uh, finally, I think we've we've had a breakthrough with him because he he gets it. He, he you know you you're at the point where your vacations are ruined. You're working you know 40, 50, 60 hours a week uh, in four days, and and working probably Fridays and Saturdays as well. And, and that's what these that's what these hires allow you to do. They allow you to recapture your life, refocus your energy. And ultimately deliver better service to your clients, which is, that's what the goal is here. My, my, the guys on my team, I mean, they, they provide better service than I'm able to because I, I'm just stretched too thin with running the business, 
running the, uh, growing the business, and then ultimately running client or helping clients as well. I can't do everything, and yeah. either can anybody listening. And that's that's the value of it. That's why. And and, and again, you're going to have to make a decision when that time is in your practice. But I'm I tell you, if you've got four hundred thousand in revenue, it, it's probably time to start considering that hire. And that this hire, this is one of those hires that should pay for itself. Do not cheap out. Don't buy. Don't get some B level talent. We only hire a talent. That's the that's the other thing. If you make the right hire here, they will more than pay for themselves. More, yeah. but but if you get the wrong person, it it will absolutely drive you insane. Yeah. Uh, and and I think we've all made those hires before in the past, and then you you kind of feel trapped by them. But uh, you know, pull that bandaid off and find the right person. Yeah. Jim, then you're sitting there with the wrong person. I wish they'll quit. I wish they'll quit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're trying to create the, uh, you're trying to create the, the environment where they don't want to be there any longer, but uh, you know, you, you, sometimes you just got to put your, your big boy or big girl pants on and just move them out. It, it, but, but it really starts with the interviewers in the, in the hiring to choose the right person here. And you've got to be slow. I guess the old adage is be slow to hire and quick to fire. And I really believe it, especially when it comes to the people that are communicating with your clients. Because remember, those clients, they, 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 have paid a, they, they pay a lot of money to, to have access to us and advice from us. Got to choose the right people. You don't want to fracture that relationship. A couple of things there. Uh, I had a terrible, uh, somebody we shouldn't have hired. It was an administrative person uh, years ago and she quit while I was on my vacation. Oh, it was, oh, it rubbed me the wrong way. I was happy she was gone, but at the same time, I, I can't <laughs> shorten my vacation. I've the had other it thing, happen. Have you? Oh, oh I'm, I'm the king of bad hires. <laughs> I, I have made all of the mistakes. Every one of them. I can, I can write a book about the idiots I've hired and fired. <laughs> Let's maybe we we create a whole episode for uh, Jim Jim's mistakes. I can throw on some as well. Uh, but but jumping on uh, on what Jim said about hiring the right people, it, you know, and paying them well and 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 letting them know that they're appreciated, they do good work. There was an advisor once that I that I was listening to he was giving a speech, and he said, you know, he 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 always, you know, is very respectful and, and hires the right people that are bright, pays them well, all that kind of stuff. Because he says, you know, he doesn't work on Fridays. He only works Monday through Thursday. And he said, I don't want like my A plus client to call on a Friday afternoon and, and this assistant to tell the client, oh, that guy, oh, he never works Fridays. What are you calling <laughs> on a Friday for? He's probably at the beach somewhere. He goes, I don't want that. You know, they, I want them to feel appreciated that they're overpaid and um, and they're not going to embarrass me in front of my clients. So it's pretty funny. You know, on the hiring the right person thing, I don't know that this will apply to everyone, but it's something that I thought about for years leading up to doing it. Um, being independent, especially, this will tie in down the road to what do you do with your business when you're ready to hang it up? Right. Because, you know, it seems like everybody in this, oh, everybody's a buyer. Right. Well, not everybody has the money. Uh, you know, it's, our businesses are difficult things to sell. What better person to sell your hard work to than someone that you've trained and gotten into your system the right way that already knows a lot of the clients that you trust, you know, and that you've already worked together? I think that's a another benefit to look at this because. You know, at a at an employee model firm at a wirehouse, I mean, they're going to figure it out, 
Yeah, it answers the question, Brad, what happens if you die, which yeah. I, I, don't, I think we've all been asked that question. What happens if you're no longer here? What happens if you quit? All of those questions. Yeah, good point. What if you're in a car accident, you're in a coma for six months or whatever? I mean, helps you with prospects or clients asking that question. There's there's more to it. I mean, certainly I think the motivation for most people is, oh my God, I don't want to work Saturday again. But there are definitely other benefits to getting this in place when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. The other uh, other point I wanted to make, Greg, um, that I thought was, I think that's really important. And this goes a little bit beyond w- when to hire them and who to hire, but once they're on the team, you cannot, there's a couple things I just want to point out because I think they're really important. You can't rush people. This is a complex business, especially if you hire somebody with no industry experience. It took you years to figure out how a variable annuity income rider works more than likely. It is not, it is not going to take your assistant or whoever you hire. They're not going to know it in three days. So don't throw them to the wolves and expect them to, to be able to answer these questions right away. And the other thing that I think is really, this is really important. It, it, you know, a lot of our time off, and I know that each one of us take a pretty good amount of time off. Although Greg, I think you've, you've got to be forced out of the office. I think you're yeah. a bit of a workaholic, self-described, right? But right. for Brad and I, we, we live pretty relaxed lives at this point, as far as our business, we are growing, but we're not, we're not grinding the same way we did your, your sub advisor, your junior, your associate advisor, uh, they need to understand that this is a, uh, an eight to six, eight to seven job. They've got to pay their dues. This is not come in and go hiking on Wednesdays kind of job. This is a, this is, this is, this is like that. Cause that's what we do. We take, I take Wednesdays off. Like they can't take Wednesdays off. They are in the office at eight 30 in the morning until five 30 at night, Monday through Thursday and until four on Fridays. And you, you, if you don't set that standard and expectation right away, they will mimic what you do and what you're doing is not what they should be doing in all situations. It, it, depending upon when you hire them. That's, ex- <laughs> that's extremely important point there. I mean, yep. Jim, you should almost repeat that again, because if, if they see you taking off, you know, two days a week and vacations here and there, they're going to think, oh, this is a, it's like, we're running a concession stand here. It's our hours don't matter. If somebody calls uh, and it's just like a, I guess a hot button for me. If a client calls between eight and four 30, I want a live person to answer the phone. That's what we're here for. That's what they're paying us for. Yep. So if I'm on vacation, I, I want someone here to service the client. Guys, the reason I say that I hired a guy and he started modeling his behavior on me. Dude had a, I had three offices. I had an office in a, a remote city. And I, when I went to clean this office out because I had to let him go because of production, there was a hammock in the office. I, <laughs> guys, I kid you not, there was a freaking hammock. The dude used to go there and take naps. I can't on my dime. So Jim, did, I, oh, didn't you yes. tell us the story once? Is this the guy that you you had to run something over to his office the one day? And he was sleeping. He was asleep. He was asleep on the desk. Hey, we (laughs) all need nap time, Jim. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah. It's my own damn fault. Like there's only one person to blame me because I did not manage him the right way. And these are people that you have to manage. That doesn't mean that they're not professionals. Doesn't mean they're not awesome. I love my associate advisors. They're smart. They work hard. They're, they're committed. They're team players. 
But, you know, this is part of the deal. They didn't get there just by me not helping them understand what the expectations were. So I just wanted to mention that, underline it, because if you do it the wrong way, you'll have a nightmare because I've had it. I've had it multiple times and it's just it just creates it it creates this area in your life where you think to yourself, I'm never going to hire somebody else. And then you block yourself in and then you can't grow because you've you've had such a bad experience with a clown that slept in a hammock while you were paying them. Right. And and then, you know, when you're on your vacation or out of the office, Jim, you're thinking, okay, I'm paying this guy to be there. Is he even there? Right. You know, is he, so it's almost like you feel like you got to keep, keep tabs on people. And, and that's yeah. the, that defeats the purpose of hiring somebody to, to begin with. So, and you know, I, I think that that some of that responsibility certainly falls on us. It's like, uh, cause I get that too, with, you know, a lot of friends that have that have kids that are older than mine that are like college age, just out of college, going to college. A lot of times, you know, they'll say that, you know, oh, hire me. I want to work with you because they only see where I am now. Yeah. Right? They and see I, the I, sports car in the life. Yep. yep. And I'm right. guessing, you know, doctors, probably the same thing. People, I, you hear people make comments about doctors all the time, but they didn't see med school. They didn't see residency. And the first three, five, seven years, whatever in this business, that's our med school. And our residency. Yep. And people don't well said. That. Yeah, that's really yeah. well said. I, I had a I heard a story, Brad. You'll love this. Uh, a guy um, had surgery on his eyes, um, and uh, and he went to the doctor, and it um, a cataract surgery. I'm sorry, I, I should have known that. Uh, and it, I think it was like twelve grand, so six grand each eye. And and the guy went to him, you know, after and they do one eye at a time, right? And he said, okay, I was in there. The total surgery time was like three minutes. And he said, what is that? How much am I paying you, doc, per hour if it costs me 12 grand for three minutes total of surgery? And the doc looked at him and said, what you're not seeing is all the hours and hours and sacrifice, all of this time in the library trying to pass those exams and study and do all this research and time away on Christmas and you know, away from family. And I didn't get married till I was, you know, 32 years old because I was going through school and studying. So all the time and sacrifice, you're not seeing that. That's what you're really paying for. It's not the three minutes. I'm not paid by the minute anymore. And paid uh, by the value, right? Right. What you're not paying is blindness. (laughs) Right. Right. He he said, you're coming to me. You're paying 12 12 grand so you can see because I'm the best in the county. He was down in Florida and it was like, wow. Okay. That's why. Right. But, but, but the people you hire don't see that sometimes they, they see, they see what the product of all of that is, what the results of all of that is. And it's really important when you make these hires to make sure they understand that they have to pay their dues, that, that they have to, uh, they have to fill the account. In fact, one of my guy, my guy that makes our call, we have smart asset leads. We have Ramsey leads, TV, right? All this stuff that comes in. And I look at, I said, he told me the other day, he said, Jim, I'm not getting many appointments scheduled. I said, well, dude, are you, when's the last time you, you made calls from six to seven? He goes, Oh, it's been a few weeks. I'm like, well, don't come to me. You know, get on the phone brother. And, and, and I haven't been put, I have not been managing that. So it's kind of slacked off a little bit and who wants to work from six to seven making calls, but you, that's when people are home, but that's what your junior should be doing. At some point you can transition out of that. But your junior advisor, they've got to learn. You've got to build their schedule. You got to you've got to track their numbers. So you know, figure out when you need to hire them. But once you hire them, you've got to build a, the right training me- methodology and the right expectations. Otherwise, you will pull your hair out, like I have done on many occasions. 
many occasion on this. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, they're, they're not seeing you, you know, all those seminars, all those presentations you've done on Tuesdays and Thursday nights for all these years, getting home after nine o'clock, that kind of stuff, right? All the work and same with you, Brad, I, I, I know you've worked your tail off over the years. They're, they're not seeing that they're just seeing where we are today. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of time has passed, but, uh, that work, uh, we remember it. They don't. So, yeah. yeah. yeah well, Hey guys, I, I think this was, uh, I think this was pretty informative. I know there's a lot of folks who are listening, who are wondering if they should hire. And, you know, here's the thing I would encourage you to do. Take a look at how much you're working, how many clients you have, how many hours, how many hours a year you want to work. And then figure out how many, how much you want to grow. And if you, if you're at this situation where you're spending a significant amount of time servicing a book of business, it's probably, uh, probably time to think about this hire. Whether that's a para planner, whether that's an associate advisor, uh, it's probably time to to, to do that. Uh, but before we uh, we finish up, I want to go to closing comments. And uh, Greg, we'll start with you. What what are what are some thought thoughts for the listeners today? Yeah, I, I just I think back at that advisor that that we were uh, doing some um, some coaching with, and and you know as an example, he was kind of stuck in okay, I, his capacity was was pretty much at max um, with all the review meetings, but his goals were I still want to grow the business. How do I grow the business? Okay, well if you don't have time to meet with prospects and do the prospecting and marketing, if you're just re- doing review meetings all the time, you're pr- you, yeah, you probably get a rollover or something, you know, some transfers and ACAD here and there, but you're not going to be able to grow the business like you want to. You're, you're pretty much going to be plateaued. So you got to figure this out. What, what is keeping you back? And, and what, what is the advantage of uh, so many, so many times people think of what is this going to cost me? And then, okay, okay, uh, we'll we'll put this on the back burner because this is going to cost me. It's no, what is the value? What is this buying me? This Because it's really an investment in your business, you know, hiring an, a, another team member, like a paraplanner, associate advisor. That's the way I would, I would phrase it. And you can, it's tax deductible. Come on. We all want a tax break, right? You can write that stuff off. So um, yeah, think about it. Yeah. It's only 60%. It only costs you 60% of what you actually are paying. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brad, Jim, how about you? What do you think, sir? Yeah, you uh, you mentioned something there in the last couple of minutes that I'm going to say when you'd mentioned uh, telling your your associate about getting on the phone from six to seven. I noted that because the way that I used to prospect, that was my call block time. I would call from four to five fifteen, and then a break. You know, most people eat dinner five to six, and I'd hop back on maybe six or six fifteen to seven fifteen, seven thirty. Same reason. That's when people were there, and that's where they would answer the phone and not interrupting their dinner. But it made me think um, when you were talking. We were talking about the, the the learning curve and don't throw them into the fire. Don't hesitate and or remember. Show them the tricks that you've learned over time, like like the the call block from six to seven. Because I know when I first started prospecting. You know, it took me, I don't know, six months or a year of figuring out that's when people answer the phone and I should focus my efforts to those time blocks. Save them six months or a year of frustration and just tell them that. And there's countless other things that I, what did we talk about the other day, uh, automating RMDs, I think. Yeah. Don't be afraid to show. Listen, we talked about mistakes that we made along the way all the time. Save this person from our mistakes and and keep that top of your mind and and save them that time because the productivity will flow to them, which in turn flows to you. Yeah, you're right. You, you've got one chance to train them the right way. 
yep. give them the tools that you've learned along the way. That's what this podcast is all about. You, this is a <laughs> what we share here is what we've learned along the way. And I wanted to, um, I want to transition and make sure that uh, folks that folks listening know that we are going to be hosting. A, uh, a webinar coming up. And I, I want to invite you to join. Look, growing your business is a big deal. I mean, we should never stop growing. I don't care where you're at. You should be focused. You should have a growth goal. You should focus on it. And I want you to go out to 23grow. So that's 23grow.com. Sign up for our upcoming webinar. We're going to cover the five the five top ways that each of us are growing our practice in 2023. You don't want to miss this. If you want to grow your business, if you're excited to grow, Go out to 23grow.com, join our webinar. Not going to cost you anything, completely complimentary. We're going to share some great tips, tricks, tactics, and things we're doing to grow our practice. Hey, thanks for listening to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.